So if you have your Bibles and want to turn, we're in John 18, and we're going to finish this scene today in John 18. So take a look. We'll put it on the screen, too. But it's one of my favorite movies. It's an, a, a kind of an American classic. It's a, called A Few Good Men. Have you heard that one? It's, it's Tom Cruise and Jack Nicholson, and Tom Cruise is kind of this lawyer defending these two uh, army privates who are accused with murder. And he's pushing the, the lieutenant colonel or the colonel who's in charge. And he's pushing, I just want the truth. I just want the truth. And have you heard the line? The guy just goes and says, you can't handle the truth. It's great. I can't do it like Jack Nicholson. <laughs> but, you know, it's, it's, it's there because he's right. You know, the one who really can't handle the truth is, is Jack Nicholson's character. Uh, character. It's a like Colonel Jessup or something. But, but honestly, everybody can't handle the truth. Nobody really wants to uncover the secrets and the darkness and the wrongness. And, 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 ugh. It's a great movie. And you think, well, but, but, but Dax, with the Bible, I can. I handle the truth. You know, it's, uh, really? What truth? What is it that we're handling? And what is it that we don't really want to look at? We make assumptions all the time, you know, you and me. Assumptions about how things work, about what the truth is. And, and, and we make these assumptions and then we package them up neatly and we, we put them out there. In fact, a lot of teaching from the pulpit is those sorts of things. I mean, you hear things like, you know, God helps those who helps themselves. Does he? That's not the Bible. Or something along the lines of, you know, I, I don't know, God has no hands on earth but yours. Well, I've got hands, that's true. God doesn't? How about even even the idea that God's plan for you is to make you a good lawkeeper? A good person. So, you know, what seems to be true gets challenged by the actual text itself. And so, what I hope for you today is you can be a Berean. And that was a group of people who studied the scriptures and checked things against the scriptures and looked at what the scriptures are actually saying. So I, I, I want to dive in today, and I want you to see it, because it's just amazing. We get humbled. We're so much worse than we think. There's fantastic news this morning that in the midst of sort of terrible actions by all of mankind, and your mankind, that God adores you and he's got you. And can you receive that? So we're going to pick it up from last week. We started this final chapter as Jesus goes to the cross, his time on earth. He was betrayed. He was taken to this illegal trial. We looked at that last week. And now we're picking it up. The scene comes up with a new little scene in Jesus' sort of progression to the cross. And it's here right in the middle of chapter 18, verse 28. So take a look. But but let me frame it for you. I'll tell you what I'm trying to help you see this morning is that there's a way that seems right to a man, but its end is the way to death. And we are the man, the person who consistently thinks and reasons with logic and tries to go towards what we think God is doing. And instead, it doesn't go the right way. We need to trust him. Okay, let's look at the pieces. So first I want you to think about true holiness. Because I know holiness, and holiness is about me shaping up and doing moral good things. 
And here's Jesus. Verse 28. So when they had led Jesus from the house of Caiaphas to the governor's headquarters, it was early morning. I just want to stop there for a minute. The scene comes up, and with it, a new day. Oh, his mercies are new every morning. Maybe it won't be like yesterday. Maybe it'll be a better day today. Because Jesus is there. Remember, he was taken at night, and they, they struck him, and they were accusing him, and it's illegal. Totally irregular, these religious leaders trying to deal with this problem, this person who threatened their understanding of who God is and how he works. And so the day dawns, a new day, and they take Jesus to the governor, the prelate. You know him. You know this story. His name's Pilate. Right? It says they took him to the governor's quarters. It was early morning. They themselves did not enter the governor's headquarters so they wouldn't be defiled, but could eat the Passover. Okay. So they're following their understanding, which is they wouldn't enter an unclean place without undergoing sort of ritual cleansing, right? But they needed to be able to to take Passover that day so they couldn't undergo ritual cleansing. So they're being very careful not to get close to breaking the law. Eating the Passover is a huge deal. This remembrance of the time when God provided what? Remember? A lamb. The blood on the doorposts, so the angel of death that was coming over that would kill the firstborn of every family didn't kill the Israelite family kid. This law ordered remembrance every year. So they didn't want to go into the house of Pilate, this unbelieving Roman, and so Pilate came out to them, and Pilate, and, and you know, he's a stubborn, he's not a nice man. History doesn't treat him that way. He's sort of vindictive and petty and, and, and those sorts of things. But he's interesting. In John's gospel, mostly, he's just a questioner. It's like a foil. He asks seven questions of Jesus. So anyway, Pilate goes out. Here he goes. So Pilate went outside to them and he said, What accusation do you bring against this man? Right? What is this? Uh, Pilate's not driving the boat. He's hearing from the people he's governing, from the religious leaders of the Jews. He governs sort of a fractious bunch, and he wants to know what's the problem. You know, I gave you soldiers already to get him. Why aren't you just taking care of it? Why are you coming to me? Right? So they answered him, If this man were not doing evil, we would not have delivered him over to you. Trust us, they say. He's doing evil. What evil? Well, what would they say? Law-breaking? Healing on the Sabbath? Questioning the authority of the leaders? Riling people up? And so they deliver him over to Pilate, and Pilate's like, well, what does this have to do with me? <laughs> right? I mean, that, that's the story. Pilate says to them, take him yourselves and judge him by your own law. Don't bug me. So the Jews said to him, it's not lawful for us to put anyone to death. (laughs) Are they right? I mean, I guess they're keeping the letter of the law. Of course, they've already tried to kill him several times, right? They try to pick up stones to throw at him. (laughs) They've done it already. The law is like that, you know. You follow the rules, but your heart's not in it. They've tried to get around it. And and so it, it, it really, this is all happening for a different reason. This was to fulfill the word that Jesus had spoken to show by what kind of death he was going to die. 
So remember, Jesus said he was going to be delivered over to the Gentiles and given over by his own people to outsiders and crucified. Jesus is actually in charge of all this, right? So where does he say that, Dax? Well, come with me just for a second. We'll look at it. So in Matthew 20, 20, verse 17, it says, Jesus was going up to Jerusalem. He took the 12 disciples aside. So this was before all this happened. And he said to them on the way, he said, See, we're going up to Jerusalem, and the Son of Man will be delivered over to the chief priests and scribes. They will condemn him to death and deliver him over to the Gentiles to be mocked and flogged and crucified, and he will be raised on the third day. Wow! You do realize this is before it happened. Jesus knows exactly what's going on. So here he is, Jesus. Try and put yourself in the scene. Jesus knows this is all happening and he's watching it happen. And, and they're, they're playing around, right? This is the first scene. I want you to consider it just for a moment with me now. Okay, so you saw it. This is what happened. What's John trying to bring out to you? What are you supposed to hear? And I, I think you're supposed to hear this. Consider Jesus is the Passover lamb. We read Revelation 5 this morning. He's the lamb who is worthy, right? There's no question in John's mind. He wrote Revelation 2. Who is worthy to take up the scroll? It's the lamb. Who's the lamb? The lamb is the one who's slain for the people. And so it's so everything about the Passover. And they're so eager to keep the Passover. We're going to keep it. We're going to keep it. We're going to keep it. And what are they doing? They're... Killing the Passover lamb. So on the one side, you've got the Passover lamb. And these others on the other side, you've got people who think they're doing all the right things to keep the law that God has told them to do. And guess what? They're not. The Passover pointing to Jesus and they're rejecting him. So you got these intent Jewish leaders, these knowers of Scripture, these deep in the text, memorizing, proclaiming God's will for his nation. And they're the priests, the scholars, and they're concerned with not being unclean for Passover. And they're absolutely affirming the importance of Passover. They want to keep themselves pure. And with that focus of self-purification and and purity and, and, and preservation, they miss it. The religious practice, the things we do, Right? Are they centered on the work and person of Jesus alone? Not on keeping some law piece, because when we focus on it, we miss him, right? He's the true Passover. So that's the first thing. They're just wrong. They, they think this. They think they know the truth. They can't handle the truth. Scene one. Let's go to scene two. Three scenes, pretty quickly. Here's the, the next scene, true authority. Because now Pilate takes him from outside and comes to him inside, and the scene shifts. So it says, Pilate, verse 33, entered his headquarters again, and he called Jesus. And he said to him, are you the king of the Jews? Now that's kind of interesting, this inside scene, just Jesus and Pilate. Pilate's sort of acting dumb to the Jewish leaders, but he's not so dumb. He asked Jesus right away, are you the king of the Jews? Maybe a trap, because that would be a reason to kill him, right? If he said he was a king, but there's no king but Caesar, and Caesar's the ruler, then he could be, you know, saying you're an insurrectionist or something. So Pilate says, well, are you? Now, take a minute with me. 
Get in the stage and you're looking. Say, okay, Pilate asked Jesus this, and Jesus tells the truth. What do you think Jesus is going to say? Of course I am. I'm the king of heaven. He's the king, right? If anyone's the king, Jesus is. Really interesting. What well, I would say he is, but I have trouble thinking through how the kingdom works, not Jesus. Look, look what he says. He says, do you say this on your own accord? Or did others say it to you about me? Where are you getting your information? So interesting, because Jesus doesn't just answer his question, right? He asks him a question back. He's establishing who's the actual authority in the room. It's Jesus. Jesus is in control of everything. And you have this worldly authority, and he wants to question Jesus. And, and we're shown right away, actually, Jesus is over him, right? And Pilate answers, am I a Jew? Your own nation and the chief priests have delivered you over to me. What have you done? Man, I feel for Pilate. He's like, whatever. It's your religious leaders and your authorities that delivered to me. You've done something. So now Jesus chooses to answer the question, but he answers the first question, are you the king? Jesus says, my kingdom is not of this world. If my kingdom were of this world, my servants would have been fighting that I might not be delivered over to the Jews. But my kingdom is not from the world. So catch that? Jesus is saying his kingdom is not of this world. But, but that means that he does have a kingdom, right? It's just not from here. This is so hard for me because, again, I, I, I don't know about you, but the whole idea today is I'm, I'm questioning your ability to handle the truth. Mine too. The, the first truth I have trouble is that Jesus is actually the lamb, not any of my religious practice that keeps me with God. It's only Jesus and, and him. And, and this second truth is, is a little bit like it. I can't really understand it, that his kingdom is not of here. Now, how much time and sweat and energy I spend trying to build the kingdom of God here? You say, well, no, no, we're, we're just trying to have the church is trying to build heaven and we're just aimed at heaven. We don't really care about here. No, you do care about here. Social justice, how society runs, how, how fairness happens, your own life and how your circumstances are going. I'm so focused on here. Used to be a phrase that said, hey, man, that, that guy's so heavenly minded as to be no earthly good. I think it's totally the other way around. We're not heavenly minded. And Jesus says, hey, my kingdom's not even here. Now, let me finish this, this scene. So Pilate said to him, when he said that, Pilate said, oh, so you are a king. <laughs> That's what I thought, too. When Jesus started talking, Jesus says, well, my kingdom's not here. That totally seems to suggest that he does have a kingdom. Pilate asks him, so you're a king. He's following along. He's trying to understand because he has to make a judgment, Right? Because he's the authority. If Jesus is saying he's a king and he's setting himself up, but he seems to be saying his kingdom is some, I don't know, some fantasy kingdom. I mean, are you a king or not? And Jesus says back to him, he answers, you say that I'm a king. Uh, he, he's right. But Pilate says it. And he's affirming it. Is it the truth? For this purpose, I was born. And for this person, I have come Purpose, I've come into the world to bear witness to the truth. 
Everyone who is of the truth listens to my voice. This is a huge statement. And I don't really get it. I feel like, well, okay, he's a king or not a king, and why is he talking now about the truth? What is he saying? I came to bear witness of the truth, and everyone who's of the truth listens to me. And, and so I get Pilate's like, well, you know, what is truth? I mean, you take it like a relativistic thing, like, okay, the people listen to you, and you're claiming it to be true, but what's truth, really? That's the title of the message. In Pilate's mouth, the authority, and what's his authority? He doesn't really care about what? Truth. He cares about power. He cares about politics. He cares about what might impact him. But truth, truth is too relative, immaterial stuff for philosophers to argue over. And sort of that's the end of the scene. So now the scene kind of closes this piece. That's scene two. This is the, these are the pieces that John's chosen by the power of the Holy Spirit to lay before us to say, okay, this is what I want you to know about Jesus going to the cross. I've read this a thousand times. It's gotten to be where I hardly even see it. I don't even understand. Are you a king? Well, you say so. Well, are you or aren't you? Well, well, I'm here to bear witness to the truth, and everyone who listens to me is of the truth. What? Okay, let's just go on. No, wait. It's absolutely about the truth and what you see is the truth. It's not critical for Pilate, but it's urgently critical for you. Do you know what Jesus lays out and what I normally think is true? I normally think Jesus is about the improvement of the world, the establishment of the kingdom, the things that are happening. In fact, it's a big theme in Christian writing, the establishment of the kingdom of God. And and we're working on the kingdom of God, even right here. And Jesus just switches it. He pushes it. And we, I think it's about the gradual establishment of morals and excellent rule and fairness and justice and righteousness. It's been roiling for our society. And like, wow, finally we have a chance as Christians to stand up and fight for righteousness and fight for truth. What do I mean by truth? I mean good morals. I mean the law. I mean you doing something with your life that's positive for society and working hard and doing things. It's time for Christians to stand up and show we are the light on the city of the hill, whatever that is. I just ruined that image. We're on the city shining the light of something, right? So there we are, and there it is, and we're going to get together. We're going to show this world what good people can do. That's what I think. You realize Jesus said nothing like that at all. What did he say exactly again? Jesus comes and says, you got no idea. My kingdom isn't here. It isn't in the realm of ideas either. He's about revelation, not revolution. That's what Jesus just said. You get that, right? Jesus just said to Pilate, he said, no, 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 it's about revelation. It's about whoever will hear the truth. Who's the source of truth? Jesus is. What's the the role of humanity? To receive it, what Jesus says. That's what he said, right? That's his search right there. For this purpose I was born. For this purpose I've come into. This is the purpose of Jesus. Whoa, deep. To bear witness to what? The truth. Everyone who's of the truth listens to me. That's the key statement, right? You can't handle the truth. You don't know the truth. But if you want it, it's just listening to the voice of Jesus. 
It's such a nail in the coffin of my flesh. I'm, I'm prone to think. I, I want to build and improve and change. I want to reshape it in the image of God. I want to shape myself in that image. I want to image Jesus. I think that image is one of strength and power and righteousness and authority. And Jesus kind of takes it all away. My kingdom isn't here. My servants aren't fighting. The marker of being mine is that you listen to my voice and the voice of the gospel of receiving me, of receiving my death for you, receiving my losing, because that's where he's going to do. He's going to go die as a criminal, the lost and the least, the little. So watch out, kingdom builders. We're waiting for his kingdom. The true Passover is the lamb. The true kingdom is the kingdom where Jesus is. He's not here. Okay, one more small piece. Really amazing. Uh, Shocking and somewhat offensive. True Jesus, even. Who's the true Jesus? One more little scene. Because now we've been inside. Now we're going to go back outside again. So let's go back outside with Pilate. Because he goes back outside. And after he says to him, what is the truth? And after he said this, he went back outside to the Jews. And he told them, I find no guilt in him. Well, that's interesting. I mean, realize there's a lot more interaction that happened than what John's presenting, right? Pilate interacting with Jesus. Remember Pilate's wife she and her hair? So they had, they had some weird dream and vision, wanted to let him go. And there's other things that happened. There's politically pressured. He's kind of weak. And the world's authority is like that. It's always worried it's going to lose the authority. But this is John's account. Pilate just goes out and says, I don't find any guilt in him. He's talking about some kingdom in the clouds. He hadn't done actually anything wrong in my view. He's addressing the crowd, right? He sees this cool way, Pilate does, to kind of release all the tension because they they think he's done something wrong, but he's not really done anything wrong. And I don't want him to be mad at me. I don't want riots. Let's just show some clemency. I mean, it's the Passover, right? clemency from what god did for israel he didn't kill the firstborn he could have so Pilate says you have a custom that i should release one man for you at the passover so do you want me to release to you the king of the jews that <laughs> cool the image is how god totally rescued the firstborn from death undeservedly just by the death of someone else so Pilate's like hey it's your custom to release someone how about the king of the jews more than he knows. I don't think he really thinks he's the king. I think he's poking at him. But so this cried, crowd cries out, right? They cried out again, not this man, but Barabbas. Now, Barabbas was a robber. Okay, wait a minute. Did we miss something? They cried out again. When did they cry out before? Yeah, John's just kind of jumping a little bit, right? He, he's missing all the, the pieces. In fact, I, I think it's almost in code. The, the key thing is it's the crowd. So you had the Jewish authority, and they hate Jesus and are trying to kill him. You've got the, the Gentile authority, Pilate, and, and he's willing to have Jesus killed. And then you've got the crowd. Find me a human being that's not represented besides Jesus as wanting Jesus dead. Disciples ran away. John's pulling in mankind, you, 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 us. 
and they're crying out, what? Not, not this man, but Barabbas. I don't even know. You don't know anything from the text. You know, there's some neat manuscripts, older manuscripts of Matthew 27 that give some flavor. It's the full name of Barabbas as Jesus Barabbas. Not this Jesus, but that Jesus. That's what this is. John's readers would know. The name as it was originally written. So over here, we've got Jesus Barabbas, which literally means son of the father. Jesus, son of the father. Of the world, robber, insurrectionist, murderer, killer. And over here, we've got Jesus Barabbas. Jesus, son of the father. Son of God. And everybody cries out. Everybody that you see cries out. Everybody in the scene cries out. The crowd is everyone. Everyone around. There's a huge group of people and they're screaming out. We want this one. That's what you're left with. Wow. Over here, Jesus, the king of the Jews. Over here, Jesus, killer and robber. And Matthew 27 says, the crowd says, let the, his blood be upon us and our children. That's amazing. How could they? How could they possibly choose another Jesus? Jesus, our Jesus. This Jesus, our Jesus. He healed the sick. He, he, he cured blindness. He fed thousands. He was, he was amazing. He's the son of God. And when push comes to shove, no. Why not? He's not following the script. Let the bad guy go. Why? Because I'm comfortable with that. A magnanimous gift from me to him. He deserves to die. We'll let him free. Who's in control of that? Me. We. Right? He was bad, we're good, we'll let him go. There's power and control, it's in our hands. Not this Jesus, not the king of the Jews. He's like saying he's in control, but I, no way. And they turn their back to the truth. Well, what, what's truth? Not what they're doing. Okay. This is the presentation of our text this morning. It's a pattern in the text. I pray you receive it. What is truth is the question. The answer is not what you think it is. Say, well, I do because I get it all. No, no, no. The whole idea for you and me is that we're still there. I don't know the truth of how the universe works. I don't know the truth about how your life is supposed to go. I don't know the good works that's been prepared for you to do. I don't know how many kids you're supposed to have or none. I don't know if you're supposed to be married. I don't know what you're going to struggle with. I don't know anything. I don't know. What do I do? I trust Jesus. That's what I got. That's what you've got too, right? The truth is that Jesus isn't about you being in charge. He's certainly not about your law keeping. The law keepers in this passage are the evil people. They're concerned about them doing it right. He's not reforming your practice. He's not making you that. He's, he's the purpose of the law, the actual salvation apart from it. The law came through Moses, right? That's, that's the beginning of John. Here it is. For the law was given through Moses. Grace and truth came through Jesus. You're supposed to see that as a contrast. Truth. 
what the law was actually for, right? So every single person in the story that we got to see today, every single person is culpable. You say, not me, I wasn't there, but the Gentiles are there, the authorities are there, the moral people are there, the law keepers are there, even the entire crowd is there. It's an indictment because you and I think like they do. It's kind of hard because we, we live in this society right now, and we're almost done, but we live in this society right now where we package things up and we make them pretty and we think that's the way they are. And I, I think of the supermarket and I go to the supermarket and I, I buy my chicken tenders. And I get a whole package, probably 35 chicken tenders, and it's the value pack because I like to buy the value pack. It's cheaper. And I go home and I divvy it up into little portions and I put them in my freezer so I use them a little bit at a time. And I think, oh, yeah, I'm a good guy. I just eat a little chicken. I don't even think about it. I'm not faced with killing the hundreds of thousands of chickens every day that are done in America so you can eat chicken. Taking all their feathers out, cutting off their necks, taking out the giblets or whatever. I'm going to get it wrong. Whatever it is, I'm that bad. I don't even know. What do I know? I take a nice little pack of chicken. It's so clean and nice. And I put it on my Weber grill. Yummy. It's not bloody. It's not costly. It's not killing something. And I'm horrified when I see it. Okay, this is what the Bible does. It rips off for you the reality. You're worse than you know. It's worse than you know. It's more bloody. It's more... Horrible. It's more horrifying. And it's you and my control. And I don't want to give up control. I want to package my nice packages and pretend like everything I'm doing is just perfect. And the Bible comes along and the crucifixion story comes along. And every single person is against God. And I say, that wouldn't be me. Oh, you're wrong. It's me. It's you. Because Jesus Christ stands alone. And as he stands alone, he says to you, Hear me. I'm for you. I'm speaking the truth to you. My blood for you. Will you take it in? Will you receive him? And this is the wonder of the cross. He won't let you be the giver. He won't let you be the one in control of your life. We are okay with that before conversion, usually, sort of when we think our lives are all messed up and lost. But then we get a little Jesus... We start mixing up law and gospel. We think Jesus is here to give us authority, to advance us so that we can make other people see that law-keeping and moral actions are good and attainable if they just use a little Jesus too. And I'm missing what actually happens. Jesus died for me. He's the king. And if you'll hear him, he saves you. And he saves you by dying the most upside-down salvation there ever was, rejected by the world, rejected by us, And yet we come, and by the power of the Holy Spirit and the received word of God, you say, yes, this is where my hope is, that Jesus died for me. Will you stay there with me? Because this is the message of the cross. Let's pray.